Right. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles today to John uh, chapter 14. As we look at a couple of verses here that um, I know they're they're familiar to us, but um, there are things that I think we need to pay attention to in such a deep way in the days that we live in. Jesus says here in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You know, as you read the the Bible, and here you see Jesus really, uh, I think, giving to his disciples right prior to his departure uh, some of the most important things that they would have to know, how they would be hated, how they would be persecuted, the importance of prayer, the importance of love, the importance of service, and the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit. When you read John chapter 13 through 16, that seems to be his emphasis in those chapters. And, you know, here we see, uh, I think, a series of uh, revelations, so to speak, that I think will help us in order to access the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, because we really need him to be the one to lead our life. You know, we got to make sure, you guys, I really want to encourage you to make sure that you don't get trapped in man-made rules and regulations. Test everything. You know, I'm not saying that we don't have certain patterns and routines in life. You know, we do. But, you know, sometimes God wants to work outside those patterns and routines and sometimes what we might even consider to be safeguards. For example, you know, the story that he shared, you know, it was kind of a an interesting story. You know, have a church outside. There is distractions. And so we don't like that. We put up walls or, or even, you know, there you are in prayer, and then you sense the, the, the Holy Spirit telling you to go to the beach, you know, and you're like, wow, what's that? You know, but you go to the beach, and you're obedient in that sense, but then you see that there's no one there except a girl. There's so many boxes that we have already gone outside of, and one of the boxes is even him going up and talking to a girl. Now, we in the church, we've made some rules, and it says the guys can't talk to girls. Right? Isn't that the rule? And yet, when I read the Bible, I see Jesus talking to the woman there at the well. Be so careful. Now, there are safeguards. And don't get me wrong, man. You need to have some accountability and things like that. But be really careful. You know, whatever your rule is, whatever your criticism is, ask yourself, where's the Bible verse? You know, and you can probably take a verse and you can twist it around and you can make it not explicitly but implicitly, you know, abide to your man-made rule and regulation. But make sure that you're good Bereans because when you're a good Berean, you're a good Bible teacher, what happens is when you study the Bible, you exegete the passage. It comes out of the passage explicitly. And you don't insert into the text. And so he goes and, you know, he talks to a girl, something we normally wouldn't do, right? And, but, but what was happening? You guys saw the story, right? She was about to take her life. 
And who knows, maybe the Lord was talking to some girls over here, or girls over there, and I guess God could take them like a robot and make them go, but not everybody's listening. And then he found this guy right here, and this guy right here was, was listening. All I'm saying is this, that we really need to make sure that we read the Bible with that type of heart. It's got to be the Lord leading our life. We don't want to be ahead of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to lag behind with the Holy Spirit. We want to stay in the step with the Holy Spirit. We want to, we want to be doubters and say, no, that doesn't happen anymore because then you're quenching the Spirit. And we don't want to be disobedient because then we're you know, grieving the Holy Spirit. We want to believe. I believe in God. And I believe that I have a personal relationship with God. And yes, I have to test all those voices and I have to test all these things according to the grid of Scripture, like he said, but I am open. We must be open to what the Spirit tells us to do. And it's kind of interesting the way life is. You know, for some of you here, you go to work and, you know, you've got to do your job. And so there's some things that are just, you know, plain and simple. You know, you've got to put in whatever it is, your two hours, and then you get a break. And so there you are and you're working for two hours and you got to work, huh? It can't be like the Holy Spirit told me not to work right now. No. <laughs> you know, you got to work, you know, but maybe during your break, you know, the Holy Spirit tells you to go to talk to that person or whatever during your lunch hour. But, you know, there's those things that are the revealed will and then there's what's the concealed will. And as you're open to him in that concealed will, he begins really to lead your life, you know. And I found that being in the ministry and even being a, a pastor, a lot of my life is like that. Every day I have my, my agenda, but it seems like every single day, every day, every day, he invades my agenda. And I, I don't like it sometimes. I'm like, okay, you want me to do that? Yeah, and this is what's going to happen today. And then you go there and you do this. And, and it's kind of tough, you know, but it's so cool when the Lord is, is the one leading the church and you're trying your best to follow him. You know, even yesterday, it was kind of cool. We had a meeting in the office right there and we had all the plans, you know, because we're praying about some things with the building. And so they've got the initial plans and then, you know, we're, we're okay, this is what we're going to do. And... um and so some of the guys were there. Uh, we had a group of about five guys that were there. And I was there with them thinking, you know, I'm going to have to give all my input and this and that. And, you know, then we got a knock at the door. It was during the men's study. And there was a man who came to the church who had been referred to, to the church by someone he works with. And this man was going through, through, I mean, just the deepest, darkest, despairing time in his life. And so this individual told him to come to the church and I guess they had asked him to ask for me. And so one of the guys from the men's study, he goes back and he says, hey, Manny, there's a guy here. He's asking for you. And uh, I guess he's going through some hard times. And so, you know, he says, you want me to tell him to, you know, come back? And I'm like, well, looking at the plans and the building and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, tell him to come back. And, you know, that's my flesh, right? But <laughs> then the spirit says, no, you can't do that. Oh, okay, I'll be out there. And so I meet him here. We go in the classroom. And, you know, we just start talking. And, and you know what? This guy is hurting. This guy is just down. And, and what ends up happening is that he ends up coming to the Lord. Man, he ends up receiving Christ. And it was just so cool. We were there for probably about a half an hour. And uh, as a matter of fact, I talked to his coworker today. And he text messaged her and said that yesterday was the best day of his life. It was so amazing, right? 
And so afterwards, we went, I went back, and it was already getting late, and I saw the guys, and they had already done everything. They designed the church without me. It was just an amazing thing. And I just thought, Lord, you know what? I don't really care like where the, the, these things are. I mean, if there's something obvious, that's cool. And I'm just so grateful that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord has provided guys to take care of that, because now I can pray and study the Bible and and hopefully minister to the people. But see, when the Lord leads and you're doing things according to his will, step by step, obediently, then it's so neat to see what the Lord does. And that's how we have to be in life. I've noticed that he evades my agenda every day of my life. And so we need to be dependent upon him. But, but Manny, how can I get access to the Holy Spirit? You know, what is the, the secret? And it's not a secret. Um, as a matter of fact, there are some things that we see here in our text today that I think help us in that. And, and I think verse 15 is a good place to start. And it's not a random commandment. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. You see, I think a premise when it comes to the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit is a heart that longs to obey. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect because none of us here are. But man, you just want to obey. And Jesus says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Daniel 9.4, it's a good cross-reference. It says, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and those who keep his commandments. You see, Daniel is saying something, and we're going to see it's the same thing that Jesus is saying, because Jesus is making a promise. Jesus is making a covenant. He's saying, he's going to say, in essence, I will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise. But there's a premise. And the premise is that we got to have a heart to obey. You see, we need the Lord to help us obey And at the same time, the Lord helps those who long to obey. I mean, if you don't really want him, you don't really want to obey him, then don't be surprised if you don't have him. You're like, well, you know, I haven't really experienced any power. You know, I'm not really plugged in. Well, maybe it's because you don't really want to. That there's sins in your life, there's things in your life that you would rather not let go of. That there are relationships that in all reality and to the deepest part of your heart, you would rather not repair. You'd rather not face it. You're running from it. And so that's probably why you're not walking on water. That's probably why the mountains aren't moving. That's probably why when you're reading the Bible, it's just, you know, not a big deal. You see, if you love me, Jesus said, you keep my commandments. And then what happens is he provides the strength and the spirit to overcome and you strive for, you surrender to, you strengthen yourself in him. And then he provides even more of himself to you. The spirit is making himself available to you like that. It's important that we access him. But if you choose rather to sin over him, then don't be surprised like Saul or Samson 
on so many saints over the ages and stages of history when that special manifest presence and power is lacking in their life. You know, Jesus, in the middle of his dialogue here, he says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. And he says that because he wants them to have the promise. Because look again what he says next in verse 16. And I will pray. You see, there's a continuation there. It's linked to the previous sentence. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. You see, this right here is a promise, but there's a premise to it. And when you study the Bible, it's really interesting, you know, because, you know, the, God is so big and the Bible is so awesome and it's so deep. They say that theologians will never touch the bottom. And, and the way that it works, you guys, is this. You know, we know, because we've studied the Bible, that the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. He already came. But, you know, you read this and then you read Luke 11, you read Ephesians 5.18, you read Acts chapter 4, and it seems like there's other times that the Holy Spirit came. And so you're like, well, what's that all about? Well, see, the Holy Spirit came initially, but when you read the Bible, you see that the Holy Spirit comes repeatedly. And you can't get around that. I'm not saying that he's not here. I'm not saying that he's like a ping pong ball. It goes back and forth, back and forth. But we, kind of like Greg Laurie said, it's not necessarily a repetition of Pentecost, but it's a constant appropriation of Pentecost. And just like the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he can come today. And that's kind of the, the, the way it works. You know, I know there's a cooperation as we're yielding yourself to the one that already lives inside of you, but there's also that sovereign, you know, just movement of God in which he just falls on us. And that's what you read here in the Bible. You know, we read it in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came, it says they were filled. You read it again in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 14, they prayed for boldness, the Holy Spirit came. They were all filled with the Spirit, they began to speak the word with boldness. You read, you know, um, over and over again within the Bible what the Lord did. You know, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, the, the, the life that we used to live, and some of us here, man, you know, we used to go out and party and, and, and get drunk. We were running away from our problems. And, and we, you know, would, you know, find ourselves under the influence of drugs or alcohol, you know, and that was kind of necessary, you know, to have a good time or whatever, to do things that you normally wouldn't do. But when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, in a sense, it's the same thing. But now you're uh, move, being moved to do things that God does in your life, that God wants you to do, that you normally wouldn't do. You know, I, I hate to say this because I know some of you here have never been drunk, and I'm so proud of you. You don't need to go and get drunk and get a testimony. Believe you me, you don't, man. But I know when I got drunk, I was a totally different person. I was totally different. Seriously, it was crazy. I fell on my head, man. I, 
I remember they even carried me out the the parties and you know I I was just just so different. And that's the way it is when the Holy Spirit is 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 over your life. You're just so different. So radically different than you used to be. And that's why he says, uh, and don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. That's a wasted life. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, I bring that up. It's a very familiar verse for us. But the word filled, to be filled, it is in the present tense and it's an imperative. It's a present tense imperative, you know. And there's different tenses in the Greek language. There's four tenses that are used primarily. You know, we have what's called the aorist tense, and that's completed or whole one-time action. The aorist tense. And that's not in the aorist tense. It's not just a one-time action. There's also what's called the perfect tense, and that conveys a completed action with lingering effects. It's not the aorist tense. It's not the perfect tense. There's also what's called the imperfect tense, and this conveys a repeated action in past time. But it's neither of those. It's none of those. It is in the present tense. It's an imperative, and that means it's a continuous action or habit. It's not like it happens one time. No, you've got to keep being filled with the Spirit. You see, it's the orders and the commands of the Creator that we are expected to have continuously within our life. Are you filled with the Spirit today? Are you under His influence, man? We really need to have that heart. You know, Luke 11, 9 through 13, it's talking about praying over and over again for the power of the Holy Spirit, you know. And if you ask and seek and knock, your Heavenly Father, notice He's already your Father. Notice you're already a child. Your Father will give you the Holy Spirit. And so you're here today, and I know some of you here today, and you're like, well, I already know that. Manny, I already heard that. Okay, do you believe it? Oh, of course I do. I believe it. Question then, are you experiencing it? Is it real in your life? If not, I'm sorry, but you don't believe. You don't. You may say you do, but you don't. And you need to go back to square one and believe it. Go back to square one, please, and believe it that He will give the Holy Spirit to those who pray. They keep praying. They keep praying. They keep fasting. They keep praying. They keep asking. They keep knocking. They keep seeking. They keep hungering. They keep thirsting. They keep longing because they are desperate. They know, I need the Lord. You know, right there, He calls them a helper. He calls them a helper. Have you ever cried out for help? Not like, help me carry the laundry. I'm not talking about that type of help, man. I'm talking about help. I might die. (laughs) Have you ever been there? I mean, that would be a kind of a weird place to be, huh? There you are in a life-threatening situation and you're drowning and you're crying out, help! Help! I mean, just, I don't know. You're, You're there and someone's attacking you. You know, and you're being overpowered by, you know, these invaders, these robbers, and, you know, all you can do is, is cry out, Hell, hoping somebody will hear you. Well, that's exactly what the Lord is saying. 
He's saying you've got to come to that place in your life where you realize that you need help. And I'm not saying that you necessarily have to be in a backslidden state. You know, you don't. You could be right on for the Lord. You can be right on for the Lord, but you can realize that what he's calling you to do, it could be in the ministry, family, whatever, that you have just totally realized that you can't do it. And so you cry out for help. That's why Jesus calls him a helper. He's willing to help us. You know, Psalm 60, verse 11, it says, Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Do you believe that? Are you leaning on the you know, rod from Egypt? Are you leaning on a person? Any person other than God? I'm sorry, it is useless. He says, if you have this helper, verse 16, I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper. Notice it says right here that he may abide with you forever. And so it's not just for three years, not just for a season, not just for some of the way. He will be with you all of the way. No number of years, no season, you know, no year, not just temporarily, but eternally available, accessible, and infinitely able to help us in our time of need. This helper is just like Jesus. As a matter of fact, this helper is technically the Holy Spirit, but mysteriously, he brings Jesus to us. Because if you look back at verse 18, look what it says. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So technically, it's the Holy Spirit, but mysteriously, here comes Jesus. So cool. And then if you look at verse 21, it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, notice how often he says this, huh? He will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. It's technically the Holy Spirit that lives in you. But mysteriously... It is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, man, let me tell you something. You are not alone. It's so amazing when you see this. We've got to come to that point and realize that the help of man is useless, but it doesn't matter if you have the Trinity. You don't need humanity. And you read over and over again, and we don't have time to go into it, but I have three pages of notes about how God is our helper. If you get a chance, I know some of you here are computer geeks. I know you are, man. Okay, go on your computer and just look up the word help in the book of Psalms. I encourage you to do that. Because the book of Psalms are those Psalms that are written oftentimes when they're going through difficulties in their life. And I know we do, and I know we go through those hard times. And over and over again, you see in the book of Psalms how God is our help. You know, and, and that's where we need to be. You know, some say God helps those who help themselves. How many of you say that? 
God helps those who help themselves. Talk about a huge lie. That's worse than evolution, man. God helps those who realize they cannot help themselves. And neither can that guy. He can't help you or that gal. Neither can this thing or that thing. Only God can. Now God can use him or her or this or that as long as you realize it's not him or her or this or that. As long as you realize that it's God. Otherwise God will take those things away. You see, you can ask God for help and he will answer you every single time. And believe it or not, you guys, as we close, man, we realize that a lot of times we're going through the hard times that we're going through because God wants you to cry out for help and he's trying to get your attention because he wants you to remember that it is a personal relationship that Jesus died to provide. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, the other day, actually it was today, uh, Shelly uh, called me. She said, Manny, you know, and I don't know if she was upset. I, I, won't, I don't know for sure, but she said, you know, uh, why did you put the bleach on the top shelf? You know I can't reach it, right? And so, you know, is this one of those days, you guys ever get into a cleaning frenzy? Well, that's what I was doing, man. I was just putting things all over the place and everything. But what I did is I told her, so I said, sweetheart, the reason I put the bleach on the top shelf where you can't reach it is because I wanted you to call me when it was time to get the bleach. <laughs> Because I know you're short. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no. You know, I, you know what? The Lord, in, in one sense, it's kind of like that, man. He has this relationship with us. And, you know, things are beyond us. But that's okay, man, because we have access to Him. And as we call upon Him, then what ends up happening is we cultivate a personal relationship with him. And looking at our text today, we see a premise, and that is this that it's got to begin with a desire to obey. We've got to begin with that habit going to church, spending time in prayer, uh, getting into the Word. The Holy Spirit will meet you there. Open, sensitive to Him. It, it's got to be there, a heart to obey. There's that premise. And then comes the promise, and the Lord says, Listen, I'll give you the Holy Spirit, and He will be a personal. Helper, He will be a permanent helper. And as we submit to Him, then it's so cool because it takes place continually and perpetually and unceasingly and yearly and monthly and weekly and daily and even every momentarily we see the Lord there to help no matter what the temptation or situation or devastation might be. The Holy Spirit is available to us, and we need the help to obey. The only question is, are you open? Are you desperate enough to cry out to Him? You know, I was thinking about um, just life today as a Christian. Do you ever, like, want to just go home? You guys ever get that thought, like, you know what, I kind of would rather just go home. <laughs> you know, this is kind of a crazy life, and there's so many things that you, that you go through. Um, but then the Lord reminds you, you still have a family to look after. You've still got a calling and ministry that you've got to fulfill. You know, but I, I think it's cool just to remind ourselves of a few things. Okay, number one, Jesus died for us on the cross. And when he died for us on the cross, um, 
And then we placed our faith in him. You know what he did? He set us free. He set us free. First of all, what he did is he conquered the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. We're not going to go to hell. Isn't that good news? It's awesome. But secondly, he conquered the power of sin. I don't know if you know that or not. But when he died, he actually conquered the power of sin. And so you no longer have to be under its dominion. Remember that. That's where we need to be right now. We need to have that understanding. You know, one day, this is going to be cool, there will no longer be the presence of sin. Isn't that an awesome thought? No more sin in me, in you, in the world that we live in. One day when we're in heaven, it is going to be absolutely awesome. And what we want to do, you guys, is we want God to work in us in such a way, whatever gifts you have, you discover those gifts, you develop those gifts, you deploy those gifts. You seek God with everything that you are, sold out, surrendered, completely committed, deeply devoted. And I believe the eyes of the Lord are scanning right now. If he was scanning across your heart, what would he see? Prayerfully tonight, he would see people that are surrendered to him, people that believe in him. And so, Lord, we just pray tonight, Lord, um, for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray uh, for the hard hearts here. I pray for the soft hearts here. I pray for the, the middle grounders that are here, Lord. How much you love them all. Lord, I pray that, Lord, whatever it is that may be challenging us, uh, maybe it's temptation or, or maybe it's a destination in the future, steps of faith that need to be taken, Lord. I pray tonight, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fall on us, Lord, that you would awaken us, Lord, that you would breathe on us, Lord that there would be a fresh revival. And, Lord, there would be a growth in character. And, Lord, in every area of our life, it would be, like Timothy said, Lord, evident that our progress would be evident to all. Thank you so much, Lord, for doing the work on the cross. And, Lord, tonight uh, we pray, Lord, that you would just uh, do a new work in the Christians, Lord. And just in case there are any here, Lord, who don't know you, who aren't saved, I pray, Lord, tonight that you would convict them of their sin and their, uh, convince them, Lord, of their need for you. I pray, Lord, that tonight, if there are any here, that they would know they need you, Lord, and that, that tonight you would just move in their hearts that they might surrender to you. Lord, we do love you. We do praise you, Lord. And we lift these things to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.